What was said about St. Joseph in the, in the New Testament? Very little is written about our beloved St. Joseph. One of the things that was written about him, and Brother Francis mentioned this on several Philosophia Perennis, and in ethics, Joseph was a just man. He's the only man in the New Testament that it is said is a just man. Nothing happens in Scripture erroneously or by accident or coincidence. So that's significant. Eric Sammons, children are the future of the church, he writes. How often are such truisms used to explain the extensive focus on a single demographic group within a parish, from youth ministry to religious education to Catholic schools? Most Catholic parishes direct a large amount of their limited resources toward young people. After all, if our children's fall away, the future of the church will be dire indeed. Of course, the future of the church is dire, demographically speaking. In spite of all this focus on young people, we see them flocking for the door once they reach adulthood. That's not good. The problem isn't bad or incompetent youth ministers. I've known many good and sincere Catholics involved in youth, at, in youth outreach who work for long hours and are committed to bring kids to Christ. Yet to repeat, it's not working. Once free from the parents, from their parents' direct influence, kids are leaving the church. <clears throat> so if the problem isn't a lack of focus or competent, and sincere leaders, then what is it? I would argue that our model for reaching young people is fatally flawed. I concur. I know that even suggesting that our current model of youth ministry is flawed will raise the hackles of the Catholic professional class in spite of the current model's evident failure. I mean, look, the evidence is all around you. Anyone that's looking for any evidence of this failure, look at, look at the sheer numbers. Go to any mass on Sunday where there was a lack of reverence. You know, one thing you, it, it's not a coincidence, by the way, that where there is a lack of reverence, what does Psalm 89 say? What is the beginning of wisdom, Aaron Barker? You love the scriptures. You probably know this. What is the beginning of wisdom? Fear of the name of God. Nomen timere deum est initium sapientia. The name of God. Fear the name of God. That's the timere to fear. Is the beginning of wisdom. Any place where the fear of God, which you see in respect, which is humble, and reverence, it's not present, you're not going to find a lot of youths there. They know this. They know this. They can get frivolity anywhere. Anywhere. Finding the answers starts with looking at which factors influence a person's decision to remain as a Catholic after the teenage years, the biggest influence on them is their parents, as a recent study by the Pew Research Center noted. Among those who were raised in a single religious background, the family's religious commitment is closely linked with retaining one's religion into, into adulthood. 
those adults who say religion was very important to their family while growing up and whose parents <clears throat> frequently discussed religion are more likely than others to continue to identify with their parents' religion as adults. For Catholics, if religion was very important in the family, then 73% of the time the kids remained Catholic after leaving the house. That is a startling statistic, but not surprising. Startling is in as much as you can actually measure it, but it doesn't surprise me. If it was not too important, not important at all, only 38% remain Catholics. Research also points to the vital role, specifically of the father's path. That's why, gentlemen, why did I make 2020 the year of St. Joseph? Ite, Ad, Yosef. Tattoo it on your forehead, Mr. Lebowski! Member, member, committed to memory. You'll startle people that you know Latin, and it's easy. Ita, Ad, Joseph. Go to Joseph. Who's Joseph? You know, the Gospels don't do St. Joseph any favor by basically painting him uh, uh, out, of, out of the picture after Christ child is found in the temple when he's 12 years old. There's no mention of Joseph after that. So people go like, he wasn't in pardon. We don't even know if he really lived. He went and got remarried, you know, because the Virgin Mary, if she was a virgin, wasn't putting out. Oh, what a, what a great scholar and scribe you are. Maybe St. Joseph also took the vow and very happily accepted celibacy. If someone came to you and said, I'm going to let you raise the savior of the human race, they shall call his name Jesus. But you got to be celibate. What'd you say? Nah, man. I'll take the job. I'm taking the porn. And yeah, man, I got to have, I, I, I have my relation. No, I, I, I ain't doing that celibacy. No. Would you really? Maybe most people would say no. St. Joseph didn't. Now, we don't know all of what the angel told St. Joseph. We don't, we're not privy to everything. I think the angel just went in and said, do not be afraid of, of, of Mary, Our Lady, for she is conceived by the Holy Ghost. Uh, we don't know what else. I mean, St. Joseph, however long he lived, we know that he was still alive when Jesus, when our Lord was 12 in the temple, uh, because St. Luke tells us that. You don't think he got some revelation and inspiration from raising the incarnate wisdom? I don't understand. I really don't. What a great disservice has been done that men haven't turned to St. Joseph as their model. I mean, what other man came in better and closer contact with the incarnate wisdom himself? Look at it this way. St. Joseph might have had to change a Jesus diaper. Did you? Exactly. First time that our Lord might have had an accident, there St. Joseph would have been, oh, don't worry about it, son. It happens to all of us. You think about that. Why shouldn't we eat a odd 
Sanctus Joseph. Of course we should go to St. Joseph. So back to the father's role and the father's faith. A 2000 report in Population Studies magazine concluded that it is the religious practice of the father of the family that above all determines the future attendance at or absence from ch church of the children. More specifically, it states, and this is a quote now, in short, if a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful his wife's devotions, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly, regardless of the practice of the mother, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will become churchgoers, regular and irregular. Close quote. Only 2% of kids whose fathers don't practice the faith will end up practicing that faith. 2%. 2%, gentlemen. So ask yourself this question, considering those statistics. Is this where you want to be? Hey, is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? Is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? Simple question. It's clear then, writes Eric Sammons, that fathers more than anyone dramatically impact their impact their children's future religious practice, and if parishes want children to retain their faith in adulthood, they should focus not on the children, but on the fathers. It's all about your father, Austin Powers said. Even with data supporting this conclusion, it still seems counterintuitive that to reach kids, we shouldn't focus on them, but on their fathers instead. Eric, I think you are on to something. You are right, Jackie. It falls to the dad. Now, let's just go through a little exercise here in this. Who is it that has been peeled away from the family and from things like going to Mass or going to church every Sunday or on Holy Days of Obligation of observing that kind of reverence and humility, having that fear of God, uh, sh showing your, your your children that you're regular daily in prayer. Well, you can't be regular daily in prayer if you're in the back room downloading the latest porn slides. And we know what you're doing with the remainder of the time when you're done downloading. It should not it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that the target has always been fathers. You tell the men, hey, there's this new thing called a sexual revolution. You need to butt out. Women can take care of themselves. They don't need you. Why do you think all this feminism, this crap, this gal kind of crap had to happen to help get men out of the way? So anyone looking for any evidence of this, go look at a family where you think children are not very well-minded, not very well-mannered, certainly aren't pursuing any form or a manner of holiness, and look at the dad. 
Oh, we can wax on all the days of the to the end of time about the moms running around and their soccer wagons with their yoga pants with every piece that the Lord, their body that the Lord blessed them with at birth so tightly clung to and exposed that you wonder why it doesn't hurt. That matters. But who's the dad that doesn't tell his wife, pull a Kanye West and say, hey, put some clothes on. Look at what happened in the West family, if I can just beg your attention for just a moment. When Kanye told Kim Kardashian, you need to cover up, what does she do at first? Pride hit. Oh, no, eh, eh, you don't tell me how I'm going to dress up in here. Besides the fact you the one that told me. Right? And that what Kim did? What ultimately happened? Kanye stuck by his, right? Kanye didn't, apparently didn't back down. Because what is Kim Kardashian's public position now? My husband doesn't want me to dress that way anymore. He wants me to dress modestly. So I'm going to do it. So she's telling her followers on Instagram, yeah, I'm not going to be posting those kind of pictures because people lack in pictures anymore because Kanye asked her. There's an example, real world, outside of, uh, of the Christian or Catholic churches, all kind of inside it, that shows you right there that when a dad says enough, and if he actually means it, and if he actually, even if he just thinks he's got God behind him, what does the wife do? Even the most prideful, immodest wife says, okay. Back to Eric Sammons. <clears throat> Title of the piece is No Church for Young Men. In the Bible, wherever God works with a group of people, he does not direct his energies toward the entire group, but toward a mediator. Think of Abraham, Moses, King David. Each of these men represented a much larger group of people. God first influenced and converted the one man. Then he allowed that individual to influence the group he led and represented. This is also the fundamental way in which the Catholic Church operates. We have bishops and priests who receive specific graces and powers that are then used to help the laity draw closer to Christ. The father is the mediator, the priest of the family, the domestic church. Therefore, it makes sense both sociologically and theologically to focus on fathers in order to save the Cheerans. How can we do this? What practical steps can a parish take to influence fathers? Many people might suggest typical answers, such as men's Bible study or a strong Knights of Columbus council. However, these things, while they can be beneficial, aren't enough. They may support men already strong in the faith, but they don't impart the faith or make it attractive to men. If we're going to attract and hold the attention of fathers of young children, parishes will need to make more radical changes. How are they going to do that? Yeah, how are they going to do it? These will be highly con controversial. But we need to ask ourselves, do we want to succeed in passing on the faith to future generations? Or are we more concerned with maintaining the status quo? Most people are going to answer status quo. 
The primary thing that needs to be done is to destroy the current ambiance found in most parishes, which is only attractive to gay men of the 1970s. Let me repeat, Eric Sammons, quote, the primary thing that needs to be done is to destroy the current ambiance found in most parishes, which is only attractive to gay men of the 1970s. Merely entering a typical suburban Catholic parish is emasculating. From the architecture to the music to the felt banners to the limp homily to the army of elderly female Eucharistic ministers. What red-blooded male would be interested in that if he, if he did not already have a faith strong enough to see beyond it to the underlying reality? Parishes are sending a strong message without even realizing it. Young, virile men are not welcome. That's great stuff, Mr. Sammons. So, Eric Salmon says, what, so what can we do? Mr. Salmon's, please stop setting up the tragedy of what is. What can we do about it? <clears throat> okay. He has a list. I'm going to add to the list. So my first edition is Ita ad Sanctus Jose. Go to St. Joseph. Guys, very simple. St. Joseph prayers are all over the internet. You can even write your own if you want to. There's no rule that says that you can't. Although if you do write one, you may want to write it down and hand it to a priest to say, can you make sure there's no error in this? That's always a good thing to do if you write one. Um, Always be thinking WWSJD. Minute Church, play. No, no acronyms. WWSJD. Tattoo it on your forehead, Mr. Lebowski. What does that mean? What would St. Joseph do? What would St. Joseph do? <clears throat> so the first thing is go to St. Joseph. Uh, my friends at the TFP, maybe we can get some of these uh, from a, uh, a vendor. But my friends at the CF uh, TFP, Mr. Mr. Celso, sells a beautiful little ivory statue of St. Joseph. The, we have one at the church household. You know, when we have when we have a bill that we don't think we're going to be able to pay, you know what we do? Set it on the counter. We say our prayer to St. Joseph. We set St. Joseph on the bill, and we walk away. And we ask St. Joseph for intercession. All our bills are somehow paid. Um, <clears throat> that's just one thing, but little icons of St. Joseph, little icons of the Holy family, put them around your house to remind you in your car, you get a little prayer card, a little St. Joseph prayer card, just anything to remind you that St. Joseph is always there. Remember, remember in the deliver us from evil tapes, episode number two, what did Ronald DeFeo junior, I mean, senior, when he knew something was horribly wrong in his house, what did he do? Ita. Odd, Sanctus Joseph. He went to St. Joseph, so much so that he told Ed Warren that he drove all the way to Montreal from New Tenochtitlan City to go to the oratory of St. Joseph, to go find a priest that would talk to him about St. Joseph. And, says Ed Warren, to bring that priest back to his house to get an exorcism done. You know, we have that clip in the Deliver Us From Evil tapes, which is the, the subtitle is, Go to St. Joseph. 
And what does the next door neighbor lady say? He started he started changing his behavior, Mr. DeFeo. He put a statue of St. Joseph on the lawn. He started handing out these little statues of St. Joseph to all the neighbors and telling them, if you go to St. Joseph, no evil can come to you. Well, listen, God, I, and, and I would just say, unless God allows it. So Ronald DeFeo Sr. Now, some people say, yeah, but look, there's six murders in that house. You idiot, it failed. <clears throat> Maybe the elder DeFeo and the other children were in a state of grace when they were murdered by their brother or their son and are now right now either in purgatory or experiencing a beatific vision. But let's pray that they are. So, so number one on the list this year, especially in the year of St. Joseph, double your devotion. Go to St. Joseph. Make it a part of your daily life. Something's not going right. St. Joseph, aid and assist me. Go to St. Joseph. Number number two, according to Eric Sammons, here's his list. Number one, institute ad orientum worship. Now, he's talking about these are things that parishes can do. Now, there's going to be a lot of controversy over this if I don't say things the way that, uh, 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 that, that kind of puts some people at ease. You can have, in the Catholic Church, there are eternally two rites of masses. Well, there's many more, but there's two very two, One very, very popular, almost universal, and one that's regaining, regaining in popularity. So the old rite and the new rite. You can have the new rite said. It can be said reverently. I, find it, I believe it. I've seen it. My friend, Father Ian Bozan, can say it, say it as reverently as it's possible to say it. But even uh, Father Bozan could not get permission from his bishop to say it ad orientum. What does that mean? Ad orientum means towards the east. Well, that just means uh, all churches, the altars are supposed to be facing the east. So uh, ad orientum, it changes the entire dynamic. Changes the entire dynamic. And then uh, Eric writes, men would prefer following a leader and it does something else. It puts that IHS on the priest's vestment in your face, right? And it puts your attention not on the IHS, but on what it is that the priest's doing. And what is he doing? He's about to bring God down onto the altar. That's important. So even just the turning, regardless of which mass it is, extremely important. Number two, ensure that there are only men and boys at the altar. Sorry, ladies, thank you for your years of service, but you gong, G-O-N-G, gong. I'm female, and I completely agree with that statement. So, no altar girls, sorry girls, you're gong. No female lecterns, but me to church, please, what about Celeste? What about Celeste? Sorry, you, for the sake of your boys, you gong. Men at the altar Men at the lectern, men, if there have to be Eucharistic ministers, men, bring the, this will start to bring vocations back because boys will then see men in priestly and holy action. The altar servers are all girls. In many parishes, there's only one man at the altar, the priest. The altar servers are all girls, he writes, and the Eucharistic ministers are all female. Well, you think that's by, that's not by uh, accident, that's by design. 
And the fact is, is that men are too busy with their porn and their masturbation to be bothered with things like church and bothered with things like manly assistance at mass. Again, you're going to have to get over yourself. If you got a problem with a porn addiction, go to confession. Go to a good priest and tell him what's wrong and then start working on it. Our Lady, most of all, again, Ita Ad Sanctus Joseph. And, and go to the Holy Family. Ask Our Lady. You don't want to be caught doing what you do when you're watching porn, knowing that Mary is nearby. You got a computer? Get an Our Lady statue. Stick it on the counter right there. Do you follow me, gentlemen? Trust me, I kicked this. Some of you listening have told me privately that you kicked it. It can be done, and it must be done. Number three, maintain silence before and after Mass. Boy, howdy, is that a big one. Like Father Jeffrey Jambon used to tell me, he would run to the back of the sanctuary if he heard people doing gossip talk before they got out into the narthex. Father would run back there. He'd stop his prayers after Mass, and he'd, I'm saying, when I say run, he'd run. He'd run back there and go, hey, hey, yo, our Lord is still there in the altar. You need to take this outside. This disrespectful. He would. If we start maintaining our silence before and after, others will follow suit. And if someone is not doing it, very politely turn to them and say, point to the tabernacle. Number four, sing traditional hymns, not 70s folk drivel so popular today. Men want to hear songs that are beautiful. Now, here's where the ladies do have a role and the girls have a role. Scolas. It's beautiful having women in the scola. We don't have to have a bunch of shaved head monks that form the scolas. You can have women in the scolas. They have beautiful voices. We want women in the scolas. And it doesn't matter which form of the mass. Uh, any mass can have the Kyrie eleison can be sang as the Kyrie eleison and not the vernacular translation. Any mass, and it's easy to learn, can have the Gloria sung in Latin. Number five, institute men's groups. Well, a shout-out to my uh, my new friend. And I, he's not a listener, so I don't have to worry about embarrassing him. But my new friend, Copeland Duhon, has got a great group that he had let kind of go by the wayside, but he was traveling around a lot. And he started in Lake Charles, and he just restarted it. I think uh, Rusty and Don were there when we talked about this. The Lake Charles Men's Catholics Conference. They get together once, on a, uh, once a month or so on a Saturday evening, and uh, proper attire is required, and they do a little uh, little praying, and then they do some manly things. Maybe they play chess. Maybe they smoke pipes and cigars and sam- have a bourbon sampling. Maybe they play some cards. No gambling, please. Maybe, whatever it is that they do, and then they have a prayer to end the meeting, but they get together and they meet, and it's men only. And it always begins with a prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, add another one here that outside of what churches can do, and I'll tell you what Eric says about this. As Father Michael Mary tells us, learn ejaculatory prayer. Now people go like... <clears throat> Made a church made of funny and dirty. He's an ejaculatory. Ejaculatory also means spoken. With praise, ejaculatory. <clears throat> the easiest and best ejaculatory prayers. As a matter of fact, we played a sermon from time to time on Sermon Sunday from Father Michael Mary. Uh, maybe we can make it available as a download. I don't think Father would mind. Is to learn Psalm 69. 
Deus, uh, incline unto my aid, O God, O Lord, make haste to help me. Very simple. Incline unto, that's Psalm 69, I think it's 69. Incline unto my aid, O God, O Lord, make haste to help me. I know it in the Latin, uh, um, uh, but you don't have to learn it in, in, in the Latin if you don't want to. Incline unto my aid, O God, O Lord, make haste to help me. You could say that a thousand times a day. There are monks, Father Michael says, that were, that, were, that, were, that were saying it when they died. The Latin version is Deus in agitorio, me mentende domini ad agivandum me festina. It's very simple. It's very beautiful, too. Whenever you're having a problem, whenever you get ready to curse, or maybe you just did curse, oh, Lord, forgive me, you can just bring back ejaculatory prayers. Whereas Father Michael Mary of the Alpine Redemptors, he's Scottish, ejaculatory prayer. It works. It'll change your life. Number six, call for sacrifice. Men don't want to hear, just be nice, week in and week out. You know what there is evidence of this? Is, of this, uh, My friend Taylor Marshall is leading a men's group right now that is doing this thing called Exodus 90. This is not a Catholic thing. I believe it's an ecumenical thing, and anyone can do it. But you take on these rigorous mortifications. You take cold showers every day. I think you give up meat. Uh, you give up. You, you give up drinking, which is why it's not going to work for me. Uh, you give up. Look, I have daily mortifications, but sacrifice. And then Eric says, "Men don't want to hear just be nice week in and week out. They they want to be challenged to go deeper in the faith with practice and concrete challenges." So call uh, call them to make real sacrifices, such as fasting on Fridays or taking cold showers in reparation for sin or for the salvation of souls. And if you don't want to take an entire cold shower, you know, some of us have adopted this. Uh, I'll tell you what one of my daily routines is. You know, last minute or two of your shower, then you take it cold. You work your way down from hot to warm to cold. And you can even make your own little prayer routine up in there. But it's important to make a sacrifice. You can make a sacrifice by, I'm going to fast. Some of us have taken to giving one meal up per day. I can, I only have, you can ask me to, sure, I have two. I never do the, the now, if I'm out somewhere, someone offers me a breakfast, I'm going to eat it. Uh, and I'm only just using me as an example. You can find ways to do sacrifice and mortification. And, and you got to remember always that you're always offering it up to God and saying that, you know, this is me being humble. I know that I am a wretched sinner, and I know I am not a good father. I'm not a good priest. I'm not a good philosopher. I need a little help here. I'm willing to do this in exchange. God is very appreciative of sacrifice. And number seven, tell it like it is. Stop mincing words. Stop mincing words. Confront the anti-Catholic secularism that's overtaking our culture and directly address the crisis in the church. I say directly address the crisis in the society. So Eric says that pretending there isn't rampant corruption at the highest levels of the church only makes one look like a cowardly sycophant, not a courageous disciple of Christ that men will be willing to follow. Let me give you a couple of suggestions in this year of going to St. Joseph, gentlemen. When you're out with your buddies, I don't care. It doesn't matter who it is. I've done this. I do it now without, because I try to lose my fear or desire to have human respect. 
Doesn't matter where you're at or who you're with. If you're going to have a meal together, stop the guy. Say, hey, guys, you could join me if you want, but I'm going to say a prayer before the meal. Always, always sign yourself. It's a, it, like Mark Bavaro said in that talk that I gave on the Hail Mary. Signing yourself in public is huge. You know, that Mark Bavaro lost millions of dollars in endorsement contracts because in Super Bowl, was it 23? I think it was. When he caught that touchdown pass, he went to spike the ball, caught himself, and said he dropped to his knees, and what did he do? He signed himself. And he said he recounted afterwards that uh, it's just something that came over and told him, don't do that. Thank me. And he did. Signing yourself in public. Huge. It's huge. So say your, your meals for four prayers. Gentlemen, lead your family in the daily saying of new, at, at noon if you're around them of Angelus. It's easy to do. Set an alarm on your phone. When it goes off at noon, you may be with some people making like, oh, hey, man, what's that? Why is your alarm going off at noon? Oh, it's my Angelus alarm. Right there. Bam. Chance to evangelize. What's the Angelus? Traditional noon prayer. And you can even tell them what it is. The angel of the Lord declaring unto Mary. You know, I think uh, Cesare, actually, the Pole only knows it in, in, in Latin. He doesn't even know it in English. Little things like that. If you're in the presence of someone and they invoke the holy name and they do so in vain, correct them. You don't have to be a jerk about it. If they say, I'm going to say this in context, oh, man, oh, Jesus, follow them up with Joseph and Mary. And they'll look at you like, you meant Jesus, Joseph, and Mary, right? Well, yeah, 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 that's what I meant. Be men. And most of all, the number one thing as we go to St. Joseph in 2020. Number one, and this may be the most difficult one of all, gentlemen, especially if you're out in public, especially if you're out in this world, the number one thing, imagine at all instances, at all times, that people are looking at you and you actually are sitting on a beautiful, long-maned, perfectly groomed white horse who is bedecked out with leather and silver harnesses, saddles, and that you actually have some armor on that's been freshly polished and your sword is sheathed, but it's at the ready. And anyone, if they were to ever look improperly upon a young maiden impiously or immodestly dressed is not for you to follow suit and help along with the ogling. Instead, it is for you to actually be that night. You got to be the one to protect the fair maiden. You got to be the one that's not going to join the fray like many of us did for nearly our entire adult lives. And instead, look look at the ground if you have to. Custody of your eyes. But you got to be that night. You can't be that night if you're running around in cargo short pants with your super scoop-sized Frito-Lay chips for toenails sticking out and a tank top. Sorry, that ain't going to play. Dress with dignity and be the first to defend the modesty, the purity, and chastity, even if she's not defending it. I don't ask them for permission. If you do that... And if more men did that, that makes a difference. 
that's seen by people. And don't worry about them mocking you. You know what? They're mocking you, but they had to acknowledge that they saw what you did. Right? And maybe if you keep doing it, they start wondering why you're doing it. What, what the hell's wrong with that guy? That chick's beautiful. Why aren't they staring her down and fantasizing about her? Oh, uh, because it's a sin. Well, some of you may be going, oh, come on, Mike. Nobody could live that kind of life. Have you tried? Have you tried? You won't know until you do. And I'll bet you if you eat ad sanctus Joseph, go to St. Joseph, I'll bet you you can.